Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is Easter Sunday, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Brochard as he preaches from the lectionary, which was Matthew 28, verses 1 to 10. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. Every gospel was written with the resurrection in mind. And each gospel writer tells the story a little differently. But Matthew, well, Matthew tells the story really differently. And the parts that I found myself drawn to this Easter are ones that as Californians we have experience with. And that's earthquakes. There's a lot of shaking going on in Matthew's Gospel, and not just in this passage. In the middle of the Gospel, when uh, Jesus and the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee, and uh, Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat, suddenly there is a commotion. There is uh, something translated in the text as a tempest, but it's that same seismos, the this intense tossing and shaking, and the disciples are afraid. Then uh, last week, Palm Sunday, when Jesus arrives to the city gate with crowds of people and they throw down palm branches, the city of Jerusalem is shaken by his arrival. And then... Yesterday or two days ago, when Jesus exhales his final breath, two things happen. The curtain of the temple which separated the people from the presence of God, the curtain is ripped in two, and then the earth begins to shake. Now, I have to come clean here. I have not often paid much attention to what follows in this story next, because I've always focused on the death of Jesus and the response of the centurion who's at the foot of the cross. But the Gospel of Matthew adds another surprising detail to the story. So the earth violently shakes, enough for the rocks to be split. And some of the tombs of the dead are opened. And then many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And finally, after Jesus' resurrection, they came out of their tombs into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, even with all of our uh, contemporary fascination with the undead, This is not part of the Easter story that we often pay attention to. I have not seen peeps in those shapes. (laughs) And I understand why. It's bizarre and unusual, even for the gospel accounts. And it's a bit confusing. What happened to them next? But in all, 
it's not actually unlike the resurrection. And so let's spend some time with that. In Torah, nothing defiles like a corpse, which is understandable. When someone dies, it's as if the very image of God has been broken. What could be more damaging than that? Yet throughout the gospel accounts of the Christ, especially in this gospel, Matthew's gospel, whenever Jesus encounters a dead body, people are brought back to life. And of all the boundary-breaking encounters of Jesus, and there were many, as Jesus healed diseases of all kinds, it's his encounters with the dead that serve as the ultimate signs of God's holiness being more powerful than what is seen as profane in this world. And the most profound instance of this is Jesus' own death. And it was not just any death, but a public, painful, humiliating death. In this, Jesus takes on the ultimate defilement. But it does not end there. And we know this because at that point in the story, the earth shakes. And every time there is shaking in this gospel, somehow amidst the fear, the power of God is revealed. It's like the shaking of the earth is a way to get us to pay attention to the reality of the divine that we miss in our midst. And it's not surprising why we'd miss the love supreme among us. Are there places in your life where you are experiencing an earthquake of death? I mean, it doesn't take much these days to know that the forces of death are legion. They wish us to believe that the outcome is inevitable and that there's only one way to resist through force, dominance, for instance, by putting the weapons of death in the hands of those who teach 10-year-olds to keep them safe. But in the words of New Testament scholar Matt Skinner, to make the claim that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, is to say that somehow God marches into the defiling force of the universe, not to defeat it, but to take it upon God's own self and rob it of his power to defile. God overcomes death not by overpowering it, but by participating in it, thereby transforming it. Even the most defiling of places 
That is where God enters in. Or again, in the words of Skinner, by becoming a corpse, Jesus sanctifies death. This is the Easter claim that Christianity makes. It is outrageous, and it is unreasonable, and it is radical, and some days I find it hard to believe. And then I sing, take me home, Lord. Or I enter deeply into one of these ancient stories. And I find my heart strangely warmed. And I once again come to trust that God won't save us from death. But God will redeem us from death. That God didn't defeat death by not dying. God defeated death by showing that it is not the end of all that is. The question of this morning then is, how will we live with this? And once again, it's the faithful women who can show us the way. Because they were the courageous ones who went to the tomb as light was starting to fill the sky. They were the ones who remained when the earth shook and a dazzling light was seen and a messenger from God who casually sits on the stone. If we're to follow their path, we will have to be willing to go to the difficult places, the places where the defiling forces of death lurk. which I know is not easy. What are those tombs for you today? I know that as we go to these difficult places, it's, um, it's not hard to feel fear. It's understandable to feel afraid. In fact, when we look at our story, it's hard to know when the women were more afraid. Were they more afraid as they approached the tomb of their beloved teacher who had died? Or were they more afraid when they were told that the power of death no longer had hold over him? And so we tell this story every year. We tell the story to remember, to trust, that even at the tomb, even in the places of our lives where we are most shook, Jesus is present. That's what the women find as they run from the tomb, as they are coursing with fear and with joy as they run back to their friends. They find that death no longer has the final word and they run into Jesus. And they find that he's alive. In fact, he's not just alive, that he's, like, he's holdable. And he greets them with joy and delight, which must have been shocking. 
And Jesus tells them to not be afraid. And then he sends them on to perhaps the last place they thought they'd go. Back home to Galilee. Now I find this to be one of the more challenging parts of our Easter story. That we have to go back to where we came from. That we can't stay in this amazing moment holding on to Jesus. We can't just stay here letting these triumphant chords ring through our bodies. In some ways, it would be much easier if we were sent to faraway places, off to things we hadn't known before. Instead, Jesus sends us back to Galilee, back to the familiar Back to the relationships of tension or difficulty. Back to the places of cynicism and doubt. Back to the tedium and the uncertainty of our lives. Where is your Galilee? What awaits you there? Remember that Jesus sends us there with a promise that he will be ahead of us. We come to this Easter Sunday, this Feast of the Resurrection, trusting that there is nowhere we can go that Jesus has not been. Trusting that he is ready to meet us in every place. We come to this Easter Sunday trusting that the worst we do can be redeemed by the forces of life. And we come to this Easter Sunday trusting that even in the shaking of our lives, life is present in the tomb.